Welcome to Mastering Law, the podcast. I'm attorney Tom Goolsby. It is great as always to have you with us. I am a real attorney. Yes, I have been a professor, was a professor for many years before I got elected to the Senate in North Carolina. And I couldn't really, didn't have the time to do both, still try to maintain a law practice and take care of a family. But I did teach for about 18 years. But where I hope I really earned my bones to be someone who can share my ideas and my success with you and also teach you not to do the things that Tom did while being stupid. I hope that I'll be able to save you a lot of time and energy, give you some good hacks and some excellent advice that will help you in your law practice, no matter where you are. We can always, and I learn all the time, sometimes from young lawyers, sometimes from older lawyers, people sort of halfway through their career. I'm willing to listen and learn anytime. It's one thing I learned early on. Take good advice wherever you can get it. Now, today, we're talking about getting retained, the fine art of being in high demand. And there's a lot of psychology in this whole thing. And there's also a lot of good planning and work that you can do to make sure that you set all of this up to where you're able to get the opportunity to interview folks who you later are able to convince to hire you. And like I said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of psychology in here. There's a lot of opportunity out there, and we're going to explore In this podcast, I'm going to refer you back to several other podcasts that will help you sort of pull all of this together. First thing you have to realize is that people do not want to hire desperate attorneys, nor do they want to hire cocky jerks. We've all dealt with those kind of people. The guy who's trying to sell you gutters so hard you can see he's trying to spend the money is not the guy you're going to necessarily hire, nor are you going to hire somebody who's a jerk about the whole thing, who acts like he doesn't even need you at all and you're an annoyance. The person you want is the guy you can tell is the best in the business and is happy to have your business, but is not going to cut his rate down to nothing to get it. Why? Because he's the best and he can demand the best. And that's where you want to be at the end of the day. You're going to need to be somewhere in between. You're going to need to be caring but not desperate to be liked. And you're going to need to be confident, but not cocky. Now, when I was a U.S. Marine, one thing the Marines are known for is we rarely, if ever, lose battles. And why is that? That's because we've prepared, we've done our homework, our legwork, we're highly trained, and we take advantage of every opportunity to close with and kill the enemy. Now, I don't know how good an analogy this is for getting a new customer. It's, it, it is, though. I'm going to explain to you why, because there's some points, are really salient points I want to make from this. But that attitude in court has served me very well. I mean, I am on the attack from the beginning of my case until the end of my case. But when we deal with clients, just like being a well-prepared Marine on a beach assault, you also want to have everything working to your advantage. Now, if you've not already listened to Killer Client Intake, make a note to go back and do that because part of what we're going to be talking about today is covered in depth in Killer Client Intake. Now, the Marines are famous for what's called our combined arms approach to any battle situation. Instead of just sending Marines to attack an enemy island, with our amphibious tractors and a few Navy ships. 
you know, and, and they did that plenty of times in World War II. Well, Marines used every military asset they had available. First thing they'd do is start pounding the beach days before the attack sometimes with their battleships. Then they would send in the Navy and Marine Air to attack gun emplacements, fortified positions, tanks, you name it. Then they'd send in the troop transports last. Every Marine had every ounce of protection that he could have, every key to success the minute they landed on that beach and moved inward, inland actually, and located, closed with, and destroyed the enemy. Now, in our analogy, we're not out there to destroy our clients. We're out there to actually help them. We're on a mission of love, not a mission uh, to kill. But we've got to have that same idea of combined arms approaches in order to succeed in capturing our objective. And what is that? Well, that's getting hired. Now, how do we do it? Well, our combined arms in our law practices are a lot of things. Advertising. If you haven't already listened to the podcast on specialized downsize and advertise, do it. Websites, okay? Another part, a critical part of our combined arms approach. The website. Listen to our podcast, Web Design Top Tips, okay? You need advertising. You need a website to help bring those clients in to make the phone ring and the emails to come in. Referrals. If you've not listened to one of our more recent podcast, maximize referrals for your law firm. Another important one. You need to put that on your list. Listen to it. Testimonials and reputation management. Again, another one that'll keep you from losing clients from reading bad reviews about you. See that podcast under the same name, along with that killer client intake that I spoke about before. Another good one, superstar staff, creating uh, superstar staff parts one and two. You need good staff people. And then telephone protocols, and that was one of our earlier podcasts making the most out of your oldest technology, the telephone. All of those things are going to work in conjunction to help you combine all the processes and all the assets you have to make sure that you have built up a situation where you're the only choice as the attorney for this person who needs legal services. The website may be your entry point. It could be a referral from another attorney or a former client. It could be a referral from one of the referral websites like avo.com or Google or Yelp. It could be a TV, a radio ad, a Facebook ad. could be a Google AdWord. could be a newspaper, a magazine ad, a billboard, you name it. Now, when that phone rings or when that email is received, you need to know what you're going to do in order to land that client. First, everything has to be about making the client desire you. The psychology in this case is so important. You want them to want you more than they perceive you want them. In other words, you have got to, from the beginning, establish yourself as the man or the woman to see. Managing your reputation is extremely important in this regard. And again, we've talked about the studies, that the podcast we already have on that. Extremely important that you listen to that and you understand how important a commodity it is to have a name that is respected and count on. 
Now, and your staff has to understand this concept too. And this is something, you know, you can work as hard as you possibly can only to have your staff pick up the phone. And, and I, it, it amazes me. I will see all the time thousands, tens of thousands, of hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of advertising. And you call an attorney's office in one of these big firms, particularly a big PI firm, and you get a person who's hurried, who doesn't want to hear anything, who wants to refer you off as quickly as they can. They're so busy and overwhelmed that you don't get a good feeling at all. If this is the initial person that you get on the phone, that is a big problem. If you've got a small firm, again, you never answer the phone yourself. It is all at the very beginning about perception, how people perceive your website. Is it goofy? Or is it helpful? Is it clean? Is it what you need in order to give the kind of idea about your firm? Or is it old? Is it? I mean, I've been going through attorney websites here lately as I've been doing some uh, attorney referral work that you, you can hear in that podcast on referrals. And, and it amazes me how bad some attorney's sites are. I mean, they just, it gives you no confidence at all in that lawyer. But the big thing is, you know, when you call a firm, I mean, and that's still where most of your business for most people listening is going to come from. That customer, that potential client is going to pick up the phone and call. And the minute they hear that person on the other end, and if they're rushed, harried, non-concerned, non-plussed, they really act like they'd rather be somewhere else. It is the worst thing that can happen to you. In fact, what ought to happen is if you've trained your staff properly, we talk about this in the telephone protocols and in several of our other podcasts, they're going to pick up that phone and it is going to go like this. Goolsby Law Firm, how can we help you? Tell me about your problem. What do you know about Mr. Goolsby? How did you get to our firm? Well, honey, everything's going to be great. You've called the right place. Mr. Goolsby's been in practice for 25 years. He has tried out hundreds and hundreds of cases. In DWIs like yours, you're going to find nobody better. Have you gone to our website and seen all the accolades he's achieved? Have you done this? You've done... I mean, on and on and on. They're going to build me up so that that person, even if they get calls back, from three or four other attorneys who try to set up appointments and get them in, they're going to wait for my call because they're going to have gotten off the phone with a super positive person, feels like their mother or their aunt and somebody that they know they can trust, and they're going to wait for my call. Now, we don't just leave it at that, okay? We need to, and again, we, we've used all these other resources, whether it's our ads, our work on testimonials, We've gotten a referral from an attorney who said we're a great guy or a former client. We're not going to stop there. We're going to continue to build all of that stuff up. That, having your staff go over and lay the groundwork for you and understanding from a psychological standpoint, your staff understanding that it's so critically important for them to build you up. Because you getting on the phone saying, uh, my name's John Smith. I want you to know you've called the top attorney in town. I am the absolute best. I mean, you're going to sound like a braggart. But if your staff is bragging on you and talking genuinely about what a wonderful lawyer you are, that is gold. 
Hopefully they've already read some things on the website. They've seen an ad. They've heard about you. You have a certain name in the community, even if you don't, okay? There's plenty of lawyers that move into a town and start up a practice and start getting clients because they manage their perception the right way through ads, through referrals, through their website, all the things that you can do to do that. So they're going to lay the groundwork for you. They're going to collect intelligence for you about the person, what their problem is, a little bit about their background. They're going to soft sell you. They're going to impress your client with your bona fides, with who you are, what you've done. And this is the prime time for them to get contact information. And they need to do several things because you're going to use this again to get retained, to make yourself a person in high demand. They're going to get the cell number. They're going to find out if that person can take and does read text messages on that phone, which it's like 80 plus percent now. I mean, five years ago, it was below 50 percent. Now it's much, much higher. Uh, email. They also want to have your. They, you also want to have their email address. Now, immediately after your staff gets them pumped up to talk to you, and I'm assuming in this scenario you're not in the office or you're busy on something else. And again, I don't necessarily recommend you make yourself immediately available to anybody who calls in. The reason is you want to have a certain air about you. You're not sitting at the office waiting for the phone to ring. You are busy with other clients, and I tell my staff all the time, if I'm not in the office, you tell everybody where I am, and that is in court. Mr. Goolsby's in court fighting for clients right now. That's where you're supposed to be. You're not, and rarely am I at, you know, something other than court. I mean, yeah, I could be at a deposition, at a client deposition, whatever, but the best thing for a client to hear is from their lawyer, he's in court. He's in a deposition. He's fighting out a case for another client. He's in a mediation. But as soon as he gets done, you know, he'll be following up with you when he can do so. And I'm going to take all this information down and email it out to him right now. He'll get it on his phone. He may be responding soon. Do you get texts? Great. Is this the right number? Great. By the way, what's your email address? I've got some information I'm going to send you. Here's another little hook. It's going to make you completely different from every other lawyer. Immediately after your staff talks to them, they're going to send something to them. They're going to text it and email it. And it's going to be, Jenny, great to talk with you. Sorry to hear about your son's DWI. Follow this link and you can read a great article by Mr. Goolsby about DWIs and, stu and problems for students, whatever it is. All right. Then... After that, they're going to pass all that information off to you. So the person's talked to your staff. They're impressed with your firm. They feel good about what's going on. They've gotten the follow-up immediately, being told that you're going to follow up with them as soon as you get out of your deposition, your mediation, your court, whatever. And here's some information you'll find real helpful. Please go ahead and follow up on it. So now, th this is completely different than anybody else because what they're typically going to get is, Mr. Goolsby's not in right now. What do you need? Okay, let me get a number. I'll get him to try to call you back when he gets in. Does that build any con? that make you feel great about anything? No. But a caring staff person who spends three to five minutes on the phone getting a few things out of you, calming you down, helping you feel comfortable and competent that you've called exactly the right place. We will help you. That is what they need to hear. Now, 
you need to follow up when you get that email message again in a timely manner because they are probably dialing for attorneys. But again, you want to be the one that stands out. You don't want to be the most available. Sometimes it can cost you a client, but typically it's not going to if you handle it the right way. And the person who's out just hiring whoever they get first is probably not the person you really want. They're not going to be the kind of person that's going to be, I've just found, you know, I've seen that happen so many times. Now, if you waste your time, you don't get back to them in a timely manner, that's not a good idea. But giving a little bit of time for your efforts to sink in is not a bad one. Now, if you are tied up and you can't, you really just don't have the time to spend, I spend about 10 minutes pre-qualifying people on the phone. Okay, 10 to 15 minutes, sometimes it's a really big case to really hook them in. I might spend 20 minutes or so, but I always call a client first to pre-qualify them before I bring them in. If I'm delayed in calling, I'll send a text message, and I have some that are pre-programmed as a shortcut on my iPhone. If you don't have an iPhone, maybe you have an Android. If you don't have an Android or an iPhone, I don't know what the hell you're doing. You, you need to have a good phone that you can easily text from because I use text messages as hooks and also as huge time savers all the time. Under the shortcut setting on your iPhone and probably on a Droid also, you can actually put in entire messages. And for me, if I type in DWISC shortcut, what it does is it actually fires off the following message. I'm in court, period. My staff briefed me on your case, period. As soon as I wrap up the proceedings, I'll call you back. Is there a good time? Question mark. Prior to the call, could you photograph your citation and other paperwork from the arrest and text it to this number? Question mark. I have a helpful video I'd like you to watch that will assist me in the defense of your case, colon, and then it has the, the little short bitly address on it. Watch it if you can, Tom Goolsby. Now, if I can't call them back within a reasonable amount of time, I fire that off to them. Sometimes I just do it as a matter of course period, even if I call them up 20 minutes later. But it gets them engaged. They see an attorney who they've just called the office. They've just gotten a follow-up from the staff. Now they get one from the attorney. Are you going to wait on that guy to call you back? Or are you going to hire the first clown that calls you back? You're going to wait on that guy. That's the person you want. They are like super efficient. They're using technology. They're getting stuff out to me. They are Johnny on it. This is the guy that's going to help me. So you're doing everything you can to make sure that you are hooking, that you're, you're setting that hook as deep as possible. Now, when I call them back, this is where I really start going through, talking with them, about all the things that I feel like they're going to be concerned about. And I also ask them about what it is they're concerned about and what I can actually help them with. One thing that I love to do in a case, particularly if I can get them to send me the citation, if I can get them to actually fire that off to me in a photograph, I'll review it 
if I know the officer, if I know some inside information, that's even better. But I, I'll also ask if they've been in trouble before, if they've been engaged in the legal system before. This is in a criminal context. Have they worked with any other attorneys in town? Why are they calling me? Who recommended me to them? What do they know about me? And it's always nice to hear, I know about your reputation, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes they'll just say, you know, I don't know about you. Well, look, I'm going to send you this link and it's going to tell you everything you need to know about me. And of course, that's my own little CV that I've got set up that shows them all the associations I'm a member of, the big verdicts I've had or the big successes I've had. Uh, the different, uh, you know, if I'm a member of the million, uh, the millionaire, uh, oh gosh, the million dollar roundtable, if I'm uh, a, a specially selected DWI attorney, I'm in the top 10 legal profession, super lawyer, I mean, you name it, all that stuff is going to be in there. But what I do is I, I really want to leave them with a feeling of having called the right person and somebody who is enthused to help them. And I want to take some notes when I do it. I'll walk them through my cases plenty of times to just sort of uh, find out what happened, who was involved, their immediate concerns, and I'll calm people down. There's plenty of attorneys who think, oh man, you got to make everybody think they're going to jail in order to hire you. I don't. When I can tell somebody's totally panicked, out of their mind, and they're not going to jail, I'll calm them down. And I'll say, you know, look, don't get me wrong. This is a serious situation, but I want you to understand you're not going to jail. In a worst case scenario, you're not going to jail. I refuse to let people think things are going to happen to them that aren't. And there are going to be plenty of attorneys they might be talking to who are going to do just the opposite. The other thing that I always make sure that I do is at the end of the conversation, and after I've spoken with them, I've I've developed a rapport. I found out what their problems were and started to address them. I've gotten some of the facts in the case. I then offer them two appointment times. And typically, it's like 3.45 or 4.30. And it, I don't just say, hey, my afternoon's open tomorrow. What time would you like to come in? No, no, no. I'm a person who has specific appointment times available. And if they can't do one of those, but they can do 2 o'clock, I'll see what I can do to move something around. I think I can't. What about 2.15? Oh, oh, no, not the 1.45. Okay. And then, again, I don't want to give the perception that my whole afternoon's up. Hopefully, you're doing what we train you to do, and you've got certain things you're doing throughout the afternoon. You might be reviewing your social media. You might be doing this. It's important to stay on your schedule and not to just be available for anybody at any time. And then the last thing I always throw in there after I get the office appointment is I then say, and by the way, here's what my fee is. For DWIs up to and including the trial at the district court level, it's $5,000. I ask that you retain me with half of that fee prior to the first court date. I look forward to speaking with you tomorrow. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow at 345. Great, thanks. Hang up the phone. At that point, I then fire off another message that I have preloaded on my shortcuts. What's that one? Well, that's one. Look forward to talking to you tomorrow further about your case. Please be sure to bring in the paperwork we talked about. 
Um, I also cover my fee again to make sure they understand that. If you run into any problems and have to reschedule, text me back. And I send all that information out to them. Now again, I, and, and I can send more stuff. I could include a brochure. I can include another video link. I can do any number of things. But it's really important to follow up with these folks as many times as you can. Then in the morning, your staff, about mid-morning, if you've got an afternoon appointment, follows up with that person with another text. If they hear back from them, great. If they don't, a phone call to verify they're coming in at the appropriate time. Now, again, depending on your clientele, you may or may not have to do that in the criminal case. Criminal cases, probably a good idea. Other cases, maybe you don't have to, but it never, ever hurts. Never hurts at all. Now, you don't do that follow-up. Your staff does that follow-up. So then what happens when the person comes in? Well, you've already pre-qualified them. They know what your fee is. They've shown up at the door. You've spoken with them about the case. You've taken some notes. You're ready to sit down and speak with them. Do you cover all the material you discussed again? I typically don't like to. What I do is I have them fill out the intake form. In fact, I don't even see them till all that's done, till all the paperwork's copied, till my staff brings me in a manila folder that has all their paperwork in it. I then scan it again, look at the notes I took the day or the week before uh, when I spoke with them over the phone, and then I get myself pumped up. I remember what their first name is, find out if there's anybody else in the room. Is their mom or dad with them? Are they there with their wife or son? Whatever's going on. And then I go into the room. At this point, it's showtime. I am totally focused on them. I'm totally pumped. I am ready to talk about their case. It is the only thing on my mind. Because you know what? It's the only thing on their mind. And they're going to perceive your focus. I sit down, I look at them, and I say, Bob, enjoyed talking with you yesterday over the phone. I've got an extremely good memory. I've got all that information. We're not going to cover all that again. I don't need to go over that. I do have some specific questions for you that are very important for me to understand. In addition to that, I want to answer your questions. First off, let me ask you about the reason the officer stopped you. You told me yesterday so-and-so. I saw the time. What was the, the, do you think there was something else about the stop? Was it just because your tag light was out or did at any point say you were weaving? And all of a sudden, I've asked them a question, an insightful question about their case, something they may not have thought about before, they may have thought about and forgot to mention. I mean, they are, all of a sudden, they've got a real thinking attorney who's not just sitting there going over boring facts again, but is focused on their case and primed on it. That's beautiful. That's exactly what anybody wants to happen in their case. And they will start engaging with you. Follow that up with a few more insightful questions, things that they are concerned about or should be concerned about. Then say, okay, tell me what kind of questions you have. What can I answer for you? Well, they may have a question about, you know, uh, something unrelated, something related, how you work your fee payments out, whatever it is. Talk about those things. If they start getting off subject, I typically, in my cases, since I'm a litigator, I always bring them back 
to the fact that the judge, the jury, is only going to be able to pay attention to the focus of your case. You know, it's not about who your grandfather was or how he abused your grandmother, whatever. Let's focus on this because only those facts are going to come in. And I keep honing them down to it. I keep talking about, you know, what we need to do to either win their case or minimize the impact on them. You know, if you're dealing with a corporate case, you're dealing with a tax case, you're dealing with an incorporation, again, you want to focus on the things they're concerned about. Letting them talk letting them express their concerns to you, but at the same time, giving them feedback and showing your concern and your insight. They want you to be caring and they want you to be a thinker. They want you to be top-notch. They want you to be focused on their case. That is so critically important for you to do. Now, after you've sat there and gone over the case with them, you then need to think about locking them in. And this is the real key. Usually, right before I lock somebody in, I get them to tell me a little bit about themselves. Because there's nothing better that makes anybody feel more comfortable than telling you a little bit about who they are. And I'll say, so, I know this, I know that. Tell me more. You know, what, what is it that really makes you tick, Bob? You know, how long have you lived here? Tell me about your children. What is it you really like to do in life? What concerns you the most about this case? And you'll hear all of those things. Then you want to look at them. You want to pause. You want to smile. And you want to say the following four words. Their first name. That doesn't count for the four words. Bob, I will help you. Let's get this matter moving. That's when you pull out the contract. That's when you hand it across the table to them with the amounts on there. That's when you get them to sign it. You get the handshake. You finish the meeting. You stand up. You shake hands with them again. You shuffle them to the door. You show them out to your staff who will take the credit card, the cash, the check. I don't do any of that. I don't sully myself with those things. My staff handles all that. I don't mean that in a bad way. I just don't do the money. I, I don't discuss any of that after that point unless I absolutely have to. I make myself above that. That's what they deal with my staff on. I am the attorney. I'm the expert. I'm above money matters. I'm the one who's out there fighting for them. I will tell you that if you wait until the end and then you stop, you pause, almost for some uncomfortable silence. You look at them in the eyes and you say, I will help you. You've just now accepted their case. It's not them accepting you. The psychology here is you've accepted them. Then you say, let's get the matter moving. And at that point, they're yours. They are yours at this moment in time. They're hiring you. Everybody else goes out the window. You've totally qualified yourself as the person who cares the most, who's the most concerned, who has been insightful in their case, has made them feel the most comfortable, has touched all those points you have to, and you get hired. I get hired 
every single time. When I go through this whole process and I get them into the office, I always get hired. Always. I mean, I can't, I can't remember anybody not hiring me. And I have done that for pretty much my entire time in practice. I don't remember not getting hired. Now again, we, could, we have dropped the ball in the past before I nailed all this down on the phone. And again, you never know the people that call you. They could be high on crack. They don't even know what they're saying. You know, they could be drunk at the time. I mean, God forbid. They could be on prescription meds. They, they could just be out of their mind. But when I get them in the office, they are mine. Now, following the meeting, and this is what automobile uh, salesmen will tell you, it's the after sale, okay? Reminding somebody they've made the right decision. After sale is so important. After it's all over with, I always follow up within 30 minutes with another text an email asking for the additional information I told them I needed, reminding them about something else they're supposed to do, thanking them for return, you know, uh, for retaining the firm. Well, I really don't like to say thank you. I like to say I'm excited about your case. We're getting to work right away. Please send me those medical records as soon as you get them. Don't hesitate to text me with any concerns, this, that, and the other. Now, again, one thing that we talk about in other podcasts is setting reasonable expectations and making sure that people know you're not to be called five times a day. You don't let that happen. You may, if you get some crazy client that starts doing all that, you'll have to lock that down yourself early on. But what we're doing after the meeting is we're doing that after sale sell. That's extremely important. And the better you do that, the better locked in they're going to be, the happier they're going to be. They're going to be reassured they made that right decision. Because you, you may have been one of three, four, five different attorneys. They may have been working hard to figure out who to hire. But because you did it the best, you got them. And you got to, you got to have them believe that they absolutely made the best choice. They should be rewarded for their trust and confidence in you. I'm telling you, when you bring all of these things to bear, you're going to get retained. You're going to have mastered the fine art of being in high demand. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to start before they even get in trouble. They ever need you. Their wife never, before their wife leaves them, whatever it is, because you will have established the website. You will have established your reputation. You will have set up the referrals. You will have set up the phone procedure in your office. You will have downloaded those shortcuts into your phone so you can send out the text messages. All of it is going to have to be done beforehand. And as you do that, and as you, as you hone that fine edge, that fine blade that is your entire marketing mix and your intake procedures, once you've done that, you are going to be the master. You're going to be the master of law. You're going to be the master of that fine art of being in high demand. We love to hear from you. If you appreciate what we do, I ask you to do one thing. That is go to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Say something nice about us. Subscribe to our podcast. Also, share it with your friends. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, Twitter. 
send it out in emails, help get us more people to follow us because that's what we're all about. We want to share this information. Don't ever be worried. "Ah, If I give this out, somebody might get as good at doing these things as I am. You know what? I will assure you of this. There is always room at the top. Most people are inherently lazy. They will not do the work that is required to be the success they could be. Never worry about giving away the keys to the kingdom. You cannot do it. It is just set up that way. It is a rule of the universe. So what do you do? You give out this information to everybody you think would listen because the good ones will. And what will it do for our practice of law? It'll make it even better. It'll mean that people get better lawyers, better legal services, more justice. And that's what we're all about. At the end of the day, we want things to work, don't we? A lot of people think we don't. We just want to throw, you know, uh, shoes into the gears. You know, we want to be saboteurs. We don't. We want to see things work, and they work with better lawyers and more justice. That's what I'm all about. And you know what? You will never go broke. You will never be poor. You will be so super successful. You talk to the best lawyers in the country, and they will all tell you they're all about their clients. They're all about their fellow attorneys. They're all about giving, not taking. It's the little people that take and don't give. Don't be a little person. I so appreciate you listening. you got questions, problems, concerns, go to masteringlaw.com. Let us hear from you. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, iTunes. And again, give us those five stars and say something nice about us on iTunes. God bless you, your family, and your practice. I'm Tom Goolsby for MasteringLaw.com.